the problem for so many people, I think, is we make justification this long drawn out thing that you're constantly trying to live out instead of realizing the moment mm. you do it, that's done. Leave that there. And you start the sanctification process, which is you getting closer to God. And I remember seeing this growing up where we made sanctification, the act of getting holy or closer to God. We made that an instantaneous process or requirement. Like if somebody comes to get saved and walk today and they go out and they're flipping people off in the parking lot and cussing people, like, well, I guess they didn't get what they said they got. Like the, that's a learned behavior. That's something that's ingrained in them. You can't expect them to walk away from that. You they, can't they, they didn't, either. they didn't go from, from running a, a hundred meter dash to running a marathon the, the same no. day. Right. No way. Peter was cussing people out at the cross. Like, <laughs> no, no, I don't know that dude. Yeah. <laughs> like it happens. Let's go. You are listening to the Heath Fluids podcast. And we're having candid and actionable conversations about your health, relationships, business, and ministry. And now here's your host, the Second Chance Coachman, Michael David Huey. Welcome to another session of the Heat Fluence Podcast. Um, I love to pray. And uh, I, 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 I woke up this morning, spent a lot of time with the Lord this morning. Um, it's another beautiful day here in Florida. I think it's already up to like almost 80 degrees at like 1030 in the morning. Right. And um, I was out, went to physical therapy this morning, came back home, prayed some more and then had the privilege to jump on with my guest who was actually my guest yesterday. This is this is part two. And guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I love doing part twos. OK. And I, I think it's it's a it's a lesson for me that I was sharing with my wife this morning that her and I are going to do our 100th episode next week. And then it's then Pastor Anthony, my guest today, is going to follow us. And so I think that whoever listens to this podcast in the next couple of weeks uh, is really going to have a life-changing uh, uh, time, a life-changing time from listening. My wife and I want to dive into actually some of the things that uh, uh, Pastor Anthony and I were talking about before we jumped on. I was talking about spiritual warfare and he was talking about spiritual warfare. And, and it's really funny now that I see all the parallels that he's went through in his life. I've went through in my, my life. His wife has went through. My wife has went through. And I really believe this. I'm, I'm not looking for anybody to agree with me. I really believe that the Lord has given me eyes to see in this situation that when you're called to the kingdom, God brings in the people and the, at the right time, at the right place for you to build kingdom relationships uh, my podcast this week was on what does it mean to have a kingdom mindset, you know, and my, my, my editor of my podcast said to me, he said, thank you. And I said, for what? And he said, for this week's episode. And so, uh, you know, cause I asked him and he said it was fire and he said, thank you. You know? So um, I think uh, when you, when you look at things like that, you, you want to make an impact. And so I said this yesterday. I hope that you'll go back and listen to part one. But uh, my guest today is Pastor Anthony Hart. He's a pastor. He's a father. He's a veteran. Brother, thank you again for your service. Uh, 21 years in the military. Man, um, you know, ha I, I'm pretty close to half his life he spent in, 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 uh, in the military. So um, I, I know that that is an act of service and everything that's going on in our world right now, the chaos and I have a very good friend of mine whose son is actually in the Navy. 
Um, I believe he's somewhere in Nashville, somewhere in that area. Um, and he's probably going to be deployed anytime. So my friend is up there spending time with him and his son. And, and, you know, I, I, I didn't never experienced it. I don't know what it's like to send a, a, a son, um, that you birthed off. And I, I could just tell that my friend was really struggling with it. So he, he just took off a whole week's worth of work and went up there to actually spend time with him. And so, um, I wanted to welcome back pastor Anthony, uh, and I'm excited because, uh, we were just talking a little bit and I'm going to let him kind of just say hello. And then I'm going to let him dive in to some of the things that we were just talking about. Because, you know, when your calling is there, I don't believe that the enemy, and he believes this too, that the enemy can steal what God meant for good, right? And he, and he says that he works all things out together for, for our good, for his good, for his plans, for his purposes. And when you're called, you're called. You know, the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen, right? I'm, I'm frankly bold enough to say that I'm chosen. I know Pastor Anthony knows that he's chosen, you know, even, even when we don't understand it, <laughs> Amen. We, we know that we're, 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 we're chosen. So Pastor Anthony, welcome to part two of my time with you on the HeFluence podcast. Bro, this is what got us into trouble yesterday. You said, just go with your story. And we were like 45 minutes in. 50 like, minutes oh, later, we were like, oh, we're about to finish, right? Yeah. <laughs> I told yeah. my wife yesterday, I was like, oh, we got to talking and the Holy Spirit got moving. And I didn't even get halfway through, but that's okay. We're back today. Uh, for your video people, you're going to notice, I just realized the setting on my camera that I can flip my video so you can actually see it the way it's supposed to be seen. So today, if you're watching video, you're getting the flip side perspective. And maybe that's the story we're going to talk about today. You heard my journey on the first part of this, but maybe this is the flip side, the backside, what's going on really behind the scenes. Uh, and we got to talking this morning about our, our spouses, our lovely wives. And, um, you know, one of the things along my wife's journey, she found herself in ministry and what everybody saw is a thriving marriage. You know, we got the Facebook filters and everything compared to everybody else. We thought we were rocking. We had it together, rolling. right? We all got it together, right? Bro, it all yeah. looked good. And I didn't even know, but she was struggling with such a, uh, a space of shame and disappointment, uh, horrible mother, failing at ministry, all the things. The enemy had rolled in such a place that she almost took her life. Um, but as we were talking about today, it was just that last ditch effort as she was on the floor of our bathroom with a razor blade. And she just said, Father, if you're there, I need help. And she said she literally just felt the arms wrap around her. And almost the voice of God say, I see you. And man, mm. as she came to me after that, I realized too many people live in a place of isolation Ooh. where the enemy lulls us into a place where, uh, and I think this is, this is the thing that we really need to break open that there is a sense of shame and disappointment in the church and mm. unknowingly, or maybe knowingly for many people, I don't know, but I think we've even peddled shame and disappointment in the church to get people to grow closer to God. I mean, it's, Whoa. we love to make people feel horrible about their sins. My wife, my wife, you, you didn't even know this, Pastor Anthony, but we did an eight week uh, deliverance um, series uh, and my wife's topic. To so we, we did it in small groups for eight weeks and then we did it in front of the, the church and it was called freedom. Okay. And my wife's topic was shame. And the next topic was guilt. And then I had anger. So if you look at the shame and the guilt can lead to anger, to disappointment. And when you said shame and disappointment, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, coming off of yesterday, we talked a lot about my story. And we kind of ended on Morgan and I taking over as pastor of the Greenbrier Community Church. But it, mm -hmm. I talked about that whole thing. And it's been a year, uh, 
a season, a lifetime of undoing in me. I've had good things, but when we came in as pastor, it was re- it was really, I said, all right, God, I laid myself on the altar and I said, I know I got some good things, I got some bad things, but I give it all to you. Get rid of what doesn't matter and, and burn away this stuff, even the good things, so that I can use everything that I am for you. And it really changed how I preached, how I saw church, everything. And I began to see the shame and disappointment because, you know, if you were involved in church back in the 80s, there was a, that man used to come in and used to get told, quit that or you're going to hell, quit that or you're going to hell. And it was just this, ugh. So there is this shame and disappointment because what so happened- we did the opposite, right? Yes. We did the opposite. We Whatever exactly, they told us then, not to do, we did it anyway, right? And we got good at doing it. And it, <laughs> we saw results because people felt bad for the stuff they did. But what really is the problem is we don't realize that the day you accept Christ, you don't just magically overcome everything in your life. It's not just a, a, a zero to a hundred. You're, you're healed of all your sins and you're done. But I think we've almost expected that. But here's what really is required. You have to repent of your sins to be forgiven of your sins. Would you agree with that, Mike? Yeah, 100 percent. And, and we come in and I can Life without repentance is, is yeah. there's you have no relationship with God without repentance. And repentance is merely this. It's defined as a changing of the mind or to turn turn away. Yeah. So repentance requires you to be aware of something bad so you can turn it. Many people come in and we tell you the sins we can see. There's some stuff underneath that we don't even talk about yep. because realistically, we're scared that if anybody saw that stuff, oof. so we only repent of the stuff, the, the easy fruit that we can pick off and say, I'll repent of that. So then we have a lot of people in the church that never really truly repented of everything. They just got rid of the other stuff. And then it's this other stuff that the enemy begins to say, Mike, I see you, bro. And I see that junk you got in you. And God doesn't approve of that. He's ashamed of you. And he's so disappointed that you won't do it. And even in ministry, we get struggling. I can remember as a, a young campus pastor, and man, I was struggling inside me because I wasn't maybe praying as much or in the word enough or doing what I thought meant. Or there were moments where the, the pastor be preaching and I'd feel a tugging on my heart. And I'd be like, well, I can't go up to the altar because ooh, all <laughs> I these don't want anybody to see me. Oh, pastor asked us to raise our hand. Oh, I'm not raising my hand. I know, right? That dude. And I was so ashamed that I felt like God was just constantly disappointed in me because there was just stuff underlying. And the enemy had me trapped in this space of never being able to fully walk in who I was. And I think it happens unknowingly to so many in the church because we don't continue to walk out this journey to repentance, this sanctification, this constant release of who we were in order to embrace who we've been made to be. I I use this word probably too much, and it is purpose. I believe every individual on this earth was individually created with a purpose. Otherwise, why would he create? If he didn't need me, if he just needed Mike, and he didn't need it, he just needed a bunch of Michaels, he doesn't need to create a bunch of Michaels. He can just do it through you. If Jesus wanted to do what he did and his lifetime in a crazy way, he could have came down to earth and just like rock guitars blaring, lights, smoke mirrors. He didn't need 12 disciples. The, the, the lights done. shining like, like the light that shines up in the sky and you're like, oh, yeah. where is he? Oh, he's over there. Okay, let me go over there. Yeah. But instead he chose to come down, robe himself in flesh, take 12 dudes that had been used uncommon, by society. As my wife and I say, 12 of the most uncommon dudes you could ever have picked, right? Yeah, if you know about the, and this this conversation is now about 15 different directions, but I know God's <laughs> going to bring it back. Like you yep. think about the disciples and the Jews Jewish culture, every Jewish boy goes to school to be a rabbi. From the day they're born, as a young boy, they go. And at some point along the way, you get told you're not good enough, good enough, and you got to go work in your father's 
fishing business or, or, fishing, or whatever stepping on grapes right. or whatever that may so be, right? These yeah. are 12 boys that had been rejected by Jewish society and said, you're not good enough. So then one day this rabbi walks up to him in the midst of fish guts and all the things, stealing money for Matthew at the tax collector booth and says, the three words that they've been told their whole life, you'll never hear, come follow me. I think Matthew was the only one that got it, you know, <laughs> know like, right? like, especially, I, I don't, I, you know, when I was watching the series, the chosen hmm. and, and when Nicodemus, which I really think was going to be the 12th. And then he just couldn't let go of all of his money and all the things that he really had. And then Jesus just looked at Matthew and said, come and literally Matt. And the, when Matthew gave his money to the armor bearer, and said, tell my mom and dad, I'll be back. The armor bearer looked at him and said, you're going to give up all of this for him. And I thought, I said to my wife, I said, he's probably the only one that really gets it right now. The rest of them are just, yeah, I'm going to follow the Messiah. Right. And then Matthew had been watching, you know, he'd been sitting with the kids on the, on the roof and watching all this stuff. And then immediately when, and then Peter said, no, Lord, not him. Right. Like, I mean, you have See? to act. All the rest of the disciples were fringe Jewish anyways. Like they were immersed in it. They were borderline Pharisees and Sadducees. They stayed close to them to know. So there was something different. But Matthew had messed up. Now think of Zacchaeus was the same way. Yeah. Everybody's calling this dude a sinner. And Jesus said, come home. I'm going to go home with you. Like this is where we mess it up in church. Shame and disappointment really is not in God's vernacular because shame and disappointment are human emotions. So God can't be capable of human emotions. Yeah, it's our response to things that we've done. And if he was truly ashamed or disappointed in us, why would he have sent his son to die on a cross for everything we would do? He already knows what we're going to do or wouldn't do (laughs) or wouldn't like my kids. If they do something, I trained them not to do and they go ahead and do it anyways or something I told them not to do. That's when I'm ashamed or disappointed because I felt like they would do something differently. Yeah. But God knows what we're going to do. So he's not ashamed or disappointed. So in church, we have a lot of people struggling with shame and disappointment and don't feel like they can have an intimate encounter with God. Then we have a lot of people that are walking away from their purpose because they feel like, man, I'll just never be good enough. And this is where I think, you know, we talked about earlier, I don't think the devil can take away our God-given purpose because that puts him on the same playing field as God, which is not true. We pray that so many times and we, we talk about it, but They are not equals, never will be. God will always be bigger than the ones he created. And he created the devil. So they're not even close. So when we put them on the same playing fields, what we're doing is putting ourselves on the same playing field as the devil instead of realizing we have a higher calling and someone bigger in our corner. But I believe what happens is the devil lulls us into such a place that we just give up our marriage. We give up our children. We give up our purpose. We just walk away from like it's not being taken from us. It literally is us feeling like we just can't do anything. And this is that shame and disappointment. And we just release it. You can have my marriage. I'm going to get divorced because it will never be good enough. I failed. I messed up. I can't get it back. Instead of taking it to God and saying, what what do you say about this? I know I messed up, but I need to repent and I need to brokenness. How can you help me in this space? Or I failed as a parent. How can I restore this relationship? How can I be a better husband or a father or a mother and wife? Like that's the space that we miss because of the shame and disappointment. You're about to say something. I, I love the no, conversation. No, no, no. no, no. I, I was just, I, I was thinking when you were saying that, when we were going through, so we did this trial run of freedom at the very first time, mm-hmm. just for the leadership in the church. Right. And I remember watching people elbowing each other. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, when somebody would talk about shame and somebody talk about guilt and, and, and to be honest with you, uh, Pastor Anthony, this is one of the best studies on really d- freedom. And d- I went through it three times, once to, to learn because we were going to be a leader and then well, actually four, because we, then we taught it to the leadership of the church. And then we went through it as a Bible study. And then we retaught it to the entire church. So at the, at the last time when we were retitling it, when, when people were writing letters of forgiveness, right? And those type of things, I think it really allowed me to see the value. You, you said something that I really would like to have, the sanctification of the journey of repentance. Mm. All right. So this is, and like I said, these are all things that God has really opened me up to now back into a church mentality. Now pastoring a church, like how the church is missing. How big is the church? I forgot to ask you that. How big is, is, is your, is the church that you're. So about a hundred people right now, pandemic and all the things. Um, Yeah. What was the highest it ever was before the pandemic? um, Highest it was running before I ever got here and it's heyday. It, It was three services. Um, averaging about 150 to 200 per service. Like it was really a thriving church. And then through the years, just the church never grew. It became the same. And you said it was a Baptist church originally, right? Yes. Okay. And there were some things where they tried to change something and there wasn't good conversation or communication in it and people left and all the things. So we got here because it was a a messed up situation with the former pastor. People left hurt, broken, um, so, and then the pandemic happened and it gave other people a chance to <laughs> kind of go out into the shadows watch on tonight. TV, watch online. Yeah. Right. So now we're standing strong with the foundation who stayed and starting to see some new growth. I love it. But it's really challenged me coming in as a pastor. Let's throw it all out the window, what we've preached, how we've preached, and let's connect to how Jesus did it. I love that. So that's important because that's, yes. because I think a lot of churches go through that. Like, uh, when you said that, I was thinking about our current church, um, our pastor, I told you, he's, he's, you know, he's been saying, I've asked him several times, like, you know, how much longer do you want to work? You know, and he's 72 and I'm thinking 75 ish, you know, he might want to kind of fade. my other pastor before this, before he came here, he was 72, 73 transitioned into coaching and some other things, you know, and they had primed a guy to take over the church, a younger guy. Right. And right. then he got his panties in a wad before it even happened. And he wanted to take over before it was his time to take over and pastor, you know, he wanted to fire the pastor's wife and you know all this stuff. Right. And then he broke off and started his own church right around the corner from the street. And then, you know, shortly after that COVID came and I mean, the church was running, you know, we, we had, I remember we had, when I first started there two years ago, right before pandemic hit, they were running. I mean, I know before they'd had about 800, but even we had 500 and some people signed up for a small group, right. In a little mm-hmm. small town of Leesburg, you know, um, Florida. And, and I was completely surprised. And then this last time, I think we had 200 some sign up for a small Amen. group because you know, it just changed, right? Like the yeah. dynamic change, there's still probably a hundred people plus watching online. People still haven't came back to church. And here in Florida, we've been like, we've been open for a long time. Like, you know, our governor, he's like dropped the mask mandate, you know, a year ago and a half. Right. So, I mean, it, yeah, I get it. Like it's, it's, it's a season, I think. And I think, you know, when you said that, uh, Pastor Anthony, I, I I see it going back in that. I I think you were called to take the church back to where it's a thriving church with, you know, salvation and freedom and deliverance and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Where a lot of the churches are are you know missing that. They're missing that, and people are going to church every Sunday. Um, I went to a church one time when I was at home. 
that I that John Maxwell was the original pastor of that church oh, wow. uh, many many years ago, and I used to say this to people. I used to say to my wife, "Oh, I know who John Maxwell is," and she's like, "Honey, you know." And then I was in his mastermind, and so I really got to know him. But one day I came home and I was listening, and you know, I grew up in an alcoholic's father's home, so I suppressed a lot of my childhood. And I was listening to uh, the 15 Laws of Growth by Dr. John C. Maxwell, and he got to this, you know, one part in there. And I was like, I turned the volume up, Pastor Anthony. And he said, he said, my first experience in ministry, I was 23 years old and I was pastoring a church in Lancaster, Ohio. And within an instant, like, I, I mean, every single time I tell the story, goosebumps in an instant, that's my hometown. I mean, right. I literally lit and, and then all these flashbacks came back, Pastor Anthony. I remember I, I had all these images and, and visions of churches, you know, of cars down the, the the way. And, you know, I suppressed all that because my dad was an alcoholic. He was beating my mom and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then he said he started a bus ministry. Of course, I'm, 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 I'm on my computer looking it up and it was the exact same blue bus that drove by my house every morning. And at five years old, all the way up to I was about 10, I would walk out and get on that bus and go to that church. And then when I went there later on, there was nobody worshiping God. I, if I wasn't sitting in the front, I probably would have got up and left, to be honest with you. Uh, the spirit of God was not there. And it, it's just amazing how the church has got into, you know, I, I said this to you before, and then I'll let you, you, you go on. I said this to you before, you know, my pastor just did a series on the Holy Spirit and radical things are happening in the church, you know, people that are coming back, marriages are being saved. I'm, I'm, my wife and I lead some of the uh, intercessory prayer and altar teams. And now people are coming to the altar to, to get baptized in the Holy Spirit to, you know, all this stuff. So, yeah. So talk a little bit about that, what the, what's transpired in the church and how that shame and disappointment. You know, well, you know we, there's a whole lot of what you just talked about and we'll try to bring it back. But I think, I think we have these two big words in church, justification and sanctification. Mm-hmm. And I think we've warped what each of them means. I remember being raised and justification is merely this. The moment that you accept Christ, it is being justified. So in a court, if you've done something that's wrong, the judge can justify you based on the situation. So let's say you kill somebody. That is murder. Now, the judge can justify what you did was right. And from that moment on, you can never be tried for that. Maybe you were raped and you were, and it was self whatever, right? Yeah. So in, in this space, this is what justification is. You coming to the best lawyer that you'll ever find and releasing to him, here's the things I've done. And he takes it to the judge and says, Everything you did, no matter how bad they were, I got you off. You're done. You're good. You are forgiven for those things. You move forward. For everything? Now, however, like everything? Like everything? Everything, everything you admitted to, right? <laughs> if you give it to him. And I think this is the space that we have to realize everybody that comes in doesn't give all their sin over initially. Why? Because we live in a society now where some things are being celebrated, which are sin. So we, we have people coming in that do not understand the word. They, if they've never read the Bible, how can they understand the capacity or what sin truly is? Mm-hmm. But we expect them the moment they walk in, never read in the Bible, to pray and repent of everything. Say this nice, pretty prayer, be baptized, and they're done. Unrealistically, because there's no way that they know the capacity of the sins they've done. So they come in and they release some things to Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, I take those three things. You are forgiven of those. And then we say, okay, you start your sanctification process. And re- but so we make just oh crap what did i just do 
But the problem for so many people, I think, is we make justification this long drawn out thing that you're constantly trying to live out. Instead of realizing the moment Mm. you do it, that's done. Leave that there. And you start the sanctification process, which is you getting closer to God. And I remember seeing this growing up where we made sanctification, the act of getting holy or closer to God. We made that an instantaneous process or requirement. Like if somebody comes to get saved and walk today and they go out and they're flipping people off in the parking lot and cussing people like, well, I guess they didn't get what they said they got. Like the, that's a learned behavior. That's something that's ingrained in them. You can't expect them to walk away from that. You they, can't they, they didn't, either. they didn't go from, from running a, a hundred meter dash to running a marathon the, the same no. day. Right. No way. Peter was cussing people out at the cross. Like, <laughs> no, no, I don't know that dude. Yeah. <laughs> like it happens. Like we have Paul to was killing that. people. Right. Still. Paul was I mean. killing people. <laughs> so we have to understand that there is a moment where, yes, that's the initial invitation, but it's never an invitation to arrive. I think this is where we missed it in the church. We feel like this invitation is for us to arrive at a place. I'm saved. And that's an arrival spot. But that's not an arrival spot. The only arrival spot that I know of that we've been invited to is heaven, which means from now till heaven, I'm moving closer to him, learning more. Because our our time here is but a vapor, right? It's just it's right. That time frame from what you said, never an invitation to arrive. That that time of trying to arrive is is. Boom. Over and did done Did Jesus with. say, come on, let's go here? Or did he say, follow me? Follow he me. said, I'm going to walk for three years. I want you to follow me. Mm-hmm. And then when he leaves the earth three years later, he says, go. He never tells him to go to, he said, go to the ends of the earth. earth. So you're going to, I want you to go to a place you'll never get to. <laughs> that's so good. Like that's the constant invitation for us. So the moment we accept Christ, it's an invitation to follow him, get close enough to him so we can begin to shine his light through us. We begin to share that. So it's a constant shedding. Here's where the church has not gotten good because we don't walk that out, that discipleship, walking together and inviting. It's always an invitation. It's never a finger pointing and rejecting. It's always an invitation to get closer. It was an invitation to the rich young ruler. I want to come follow you. I've all, okay, I need you to leave this behind. Oh, I I can't leave that behind. It doesn't say Jesus walked away grieved. It says the ruler walked away grieved because he couldn't give up the one thing he had been asked. Why? Because that had become his identity. His identity was the money and the position that he accrued. And Jesus was asking him to walk away from the identity that he had built and embrace the identity that God had given him through Jesus. Nicodemus, yeah. I mean, this is the problem with so many people. He even said that. He even said that when he... It made me made you made me think of that in the in the upper there in the I don't know if you've watched the the, the chosen series, mm-hmm. but it's so good. There's that time when him and Nicodemus, and I've shared this the other day on a podcast too. There's that time when him and Nicodemus are in the upper room, right? And they're literally this far apart, right? And he looks and he and he realizes that the Messiah that he'd been praying for all his life was literally setting three feet apart from him. Yeah. Right. And then when he asked him to come and follow on the next day, he, you know, he left a bag of money and ran around the corner. Right. And, 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 and this is the funniest thing. We, ne- we don't realize that Jesus knows everything and he knows we're around the corner. Right. Like, and then he, and then he said to Nicodemus, you were almost there. Right. I think sometimes Pastor Anthony, and then you can, then you can finish on that topic um, is that sometimes we feel like we're almost there, but we're not. And I think sometimes we don't, 
fully, I, li- I like what you said, you know, sanctification is getting closer to God, but it's a never an invitation to just arrive, right? Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to become LeBron James tomorrow, right? I'm not going to become Mario Lemieux, you know, whatever sport I'm in. And I think, um, you know, that's the place where we feel like we have to arrive or that we have to be somebody that we're not. And I think sometimes we give up and don't push through to become because sometimes when we look in the mirror, identity is in the things that are going on around us instead of our identity being in the one who created us and has everything that we need, but we're looking to our circumstance or we're looking to man or we're looking to our spouse or whatever that may be. So true. And and here's, I think the big mess up is this invitation. We've made justification. We made the invitation corporate. We had these, we have these services all the time. And at the end of it, it is, you know, if there's anyone out here who wants to accept Christ and we make it a corporate invitation and unknowingly a corporate invitation leads to an individual journey. So the moment you accept Christ corporately, now you just walk out of the church on this individual journey to get to heaven. See ya. <laughs> when realistically, it's an individual invitation. I don't matter if you do it in the midst of a group, a group of people. It is Jesus standing face to face with you the way he did with all 12 disciples and say, come follow me. Don't follow the group. I need you to follow me. me. The group's going to get it wrong. Church is going to get it wrong. I need you to stay close to me and see what I do. That's, that's true salvation because my grandmother always said to me, um, and you know, you know, there's, there's times and situations where we all can do things differently or could have done things differently. You know, sometimes it you know, takes you to like 50 years old to figure it out or, or, you know, whatever, you know, and, and, and so we still haven't figured it out. We still haven't arrived. Right. But I, but I, but I think when you, when you look at salvation, and I just had this just with one of my coaching clients who lives in Indiana. You know, I said, John, and, and he and he did three months coaching with me. Now he signed up for six months. And, he, and I I said, when are you going back to church? Mm-hmm. And I and and he said, I've been listening every Sunday online. I said, you didn't answer my question. That's right. You said, and and guys, if you if you if if you're if you're listening to this, you obviously can't see Pastor Anthony's shirt that he has on today, right? And it says Jesus is bigger than Sunday. And I forget was it untamed yesterday or un, uh, unashamed? Unashamed, yeah. And um, John said, I'll make an attempt to go this week. And I said, but you still didn't answer my question. That didn't tell me when you were, you said, you're going to make an attempt. Right. And when are you actually going to go? And I think sometimes I say this all the time, Anthony, if I woke up one Sunday and I said, Hey, honey, you know, let's just watch church on TV today. I'd rather just spend, you know, not have to go through the hustle and bustle. If I did it two weeks in a row, she would say, okay, I'll see you when I get back from church. Because right. it's not an act that we're doing because we want to be active in ministry or the pastor needs us as our lead intercessor. We do it because we're committed to the one that gave us salvation. Yeah. We're not committed to the church or man or, and I believe this too, and I'll let you, I'll let you finish with this last topic and then we'll close. I, I think one of the most important things for the church is that, and I showed you this yesterday in that little pyramid where we feel like we have this pyramid mm-hmm. of life, but if we really understand that we're separated unto God, rather than having to do what the world says, okay, here's Pastor Anthony, here's Michael, this is what I want them to do. No, we're not. Our, my identity, when I look in that mirror this morning, was not in what happened yesterday or the whole busy day that I have today or anything that has happened. It's, okay, God, what do you want me to do today? How is this day going to work out that I can draw myself? I can do exactly what 
sanctification is by getting closer to you. I repent of my sins. Use me today in a way that that you get me out of the way. And it's about you and not about me. So good. I think that's what we've missed. I really believe this, that we've yeah. missed this. We've missed this in the physical. We've missed this in the soul. We've missed this in the spiritual. I mean, I truly believe if you even look at some ministers over the years, and then I'll turn it back to you. Here's the thing that really, I touched on this on a clubhouse app today, where I really was talking to a group of coaches and they had invited me to speak and, and, I, and, and they're starting like this challenge, this health challenge. And I said, God gave us a spirit, soul, and body. But as believers, we sometimes forget that the body is the temple, mm. right? And, and my grandmother had this, um, um, I actually have it still. I can see it from here. Uh, and it said, if you don't take care of your body, where will you live? And then the Holy Spirit convicted me and said it like this, uh, uh, Pastor Anthony, and then I'll pass it back to you. If you don't take care of your body, where will he live? Think about that real closely. Yeah. If you don't take care of your body, my, my old pastor, Dr. John Lloyd, who's went on to be with the Lord, <clears throat> said, I could smoke if I wanted to. I could eat whatever I want or drink or do drugs if I wanted to. But the Holy Spirit that gave me life and rescued me lives inside of my body. So why would I not give him all of me in every aspect of my life so that my identity is hidden in who he created me to be? And, and I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with Ed Milet, but Ed Milet is a, a kingdom entrepreneur guy, multimillionaire, um, said, he said, I don't know about what you believe, but he said, I believe this. He said, I believe that God, and I'm going to use both of us, God is creating this Michael and this Anthony, and then obviously this Ed. He said, in one day, I have to stand before God and see that person that he created. He said, I don't know about you, but what wakes me up every day is that I'm striving to be that person that he created me to be. So when I do see that person, that he's not a stranger, and I look at him and say, who's that? And God said, you know, that's who. Yeah. That's the person that God talks to. Yeah. He doesn't talk to the Michael that you see in the mirror. He 100%. doesn't talk to the shame-filled, disappointed. God speaks to our inner man that he created. What if we spoke to people that way? What if every time I spoke to Michael, I didn't speak to the man who like my wife. something wrong to me or the one who... <laughs> Flip me off in traffic. I'm not saying my. That's what my wife says. My wife says, "Why don't we treat everybody else, no matter what, like Jesus?" How much better would our marriages be if we spoke to the wife that God created? Like instead of reminding them every time they mess Honey, up, you didn't and, do this. Why did you do this? You yelled at me for this. Why did you not do this? Yeah. You want to know how people are like becoming failures in the marriage because they're constantly reminded of their failures instead oh. of celebrated for their victories. Even no matter how small, when I'm my wife celebrates me for even doing something small, something perks up inside me. It's like I need to be better because that was something little, and she just recognized it. I need to be. And this goes back to the point I was I was talking about earlier: is we've made the corporate invitation, but we've made the journey individual. What if we realize that sanctification is a corporate journey, regardless of where Michael is in his journey? And if I just accepted Christ today, we're on the same journey. Now I realize that I have a group of people around me that can help me do this instead of feeling isolated. And it's between me and God because I got to get to heaven and nobody cares about my mess. And I can't come into church and open up about my mess because that person's better than me or that person's worse than me. And then we struggle because we never feel like God didn't make us to be individuals. He made us to be relational. That's why you have a piece of the image of God. And I have a piece of the image of God. And as we get better, when you become a better man in God, it makes me a better because the image becomes clearer. Mm. 
Yes, we all have to get to heaven and answer for our individual journeys, but how amazing is it to know that I have people along the way that help me get to that space, help me be the better person. Like that's what's missing in the church is we have a bunch of individuals sitting there and unknowingly we as pastors put them back at the foot of the cross every week because that's what we do. We want people to be saved on Sunday. So everybody in that church, regardless of what you did this week, you go right back to the foot of the cross what was the status of the body of Christ when it was on the cross? Broken. Broken. We never talk about the body of Christ that's coming out of the mm, cave. My God. That's where sanctification begins is you have been called to be something better. The Holy Spirit that lies in you is not on the cross and broken. It is walking out of the cave and becoming stronger and better as you get closer to it. Like as the church begins to do that, watch what changes inside the house. I can lean next to you on a Sunday morning and be like, Mike, bro, I struggled with pornography this week. And it's an area that I struggle in because you know what? The moment I tell you that, if you're operating in your anointing, there's not going to be, oh my gosh, that's disgusting. You're married and have kids and <laughs> yep. get away from me with that. I don't want to be seen with you because if my wife knows I'm hanging out with you, then what's that going to say then about me? Then it's saying like, that I'm doing it. Yeah, I get it all. Yeah. yeah. But instead we grab a hold of that person. Confessing our sins to man that we may be healed right? You are an amazing husband and this is a brokenness in you, but your wife deserves better than this. Your wife should be valued to a different place. You should value yourself to a different place. Let's walk this out. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's have coffee tomorrow because it's bigger than the Sunday morning we talked about. So let's go to coffee this week and let's open up a door for us to have a relationship and accountability without any shame or disappointment because I cherish you enough to get you to the place you're supposed to be. But more importantly, I cherish the lives that you affect on a daily basis. And I want to make sure you're as close to the light as possible to reflect who Jesus is to them. Wow. Well, brother, you know what? I know we could probably talk for another hour, but I'm going to, I'm going to let us, I'm going to land there. I'm going to re- recap a couple things. And then I want you to tell people how they can connect with you on social media on, on different yes. platforms and stuff. And I would like you and I to probably do some stuff in the next couple of weeks on clubhouse. Cause I think there's a big opportunity there of people needing that. Right. Like yeah. uh, when I looked uh, yesterday and we had almost 18,000 followers on clubhouse now, you know, in the top 1% of all the followers on the app, and I, I don't, I don't know how it happened. It just happened because God allowed us to serve and to give and to, to do the things. I mean, I stepped away from being around certain people that you know a lot of my friends still still up and and I, I just know that God has used me in a manner to do exactly what I, I love. What you said, I'm, I'm going to recap this. You said we made the invitation corporate, but the journey individual. Mm-hmm. Boom! Like, listen to the power behind that. And I, I. I couldn't help. I, I meant to put my pen down and just listen and then go back, but I couldn't because I was being afraid. And my wife, she'll listen to this like five times and take notes and, you know, and, and share it with things. Right. Cause she's really diving into a lot of the stuff that God's called her to be. And I'm, I'm so proud of her. Like, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a radical change. Right. It's, it's, and so uh, brother, this has been fantastic. Again, I'm, I'm excited to put these together to have people get to know you better, to see the impact that you're making in the world. And and to making not just in the local church, but globally. I think that that you know when I when I hear you speak, um, my wife was asking me, "So how was it with you know with with Pastor Anthony?" I said, "You're gonna have to listen." <laughs> That's all I can say because I always hear her. You know, I get in her car and drive her car because she likes it better for me to drive when she's with me, especially at night. And uh, and and she's got a podcast on there, and it's it's usually mine, and she's listening to it, you know, or she's listening to Jim Quick, uh, learning how to en- enhance her brain, you know. Yeah. And so the the things that that you're doing, 
um, I want to just encourage, you know, I want to give you some, some encouragement to know that um, your impact um, is, is uh, going to be bigger than just the local church. And I believe that you're going to have an impact in the lives of a lot of people who are going to finally step into their identity and that, that the church will grow. Um, you know, there'll, there'll probably be other campuses and there'll probably be other things that you see people doing just because of the obedience that you've had. And so I want to publicly thank you for these two days, because um, if I don't know you by now, brother, yeah, I was about to say, if I don't know you by now, and I, I, I think you know me a little bit better too now by, by just how we've been able to share. And I, I think, you know, it, it's, it's, you, you said something yesterday about the parallel, you know, and I think when you're called, you know, the, the, when you're, when you're chosen, you know, the enemy, he, he, he's a liar and he gets thrown into the pit. Right. And so tell us how people can connect with you more, get to know you more and, and, and hear more of you. Yeah. So, um, our website for our church and you watch sermons and things like that is gogcc.org. Uh, I am on Instagram at a underscore heart seven, five, seven, Facebook, Anthony Hart, uh, clubhouse, Anthony Hart, um, had an amazing opportunity last November to speak at the Grow Your Business for God's Sake conference, which was crazy, which is a door that God's opening up with me having a, a voice into business. Uh, two years ago, three years ago now, I started getting my master's in uh, concentration marketplace ministry. And I didn't know what that looked like. I thought it was just a, a, a scholarship, you know, there's a piece of paper. And this last November, he's opened up. So this November, uh, Tamara Andrus is hosting this yet again, uh, Grow for God conference in Nashville. And I get to be a part of that group that's speaking there. So excited to be a part of that. Just, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised at all that God's doing again and again. I don't know the doors he's continuing to open, but I'm just, I've gotten to a place in my life where I'm obedient and I'm just going to walk through it unapologetically knowing that if he called me into it, I know he's equipped me with the right people in the right places to step into those spaces and just be confident and bold in who he created me to be. Dude, I'm grateful for you, brother. I'm grateful for the connection. I told Tamara that. Thank you uh, yesterday and probably tell her again today, but um Guys, I say this as we, as we, and, and all these notes, these will all be in the show notes and stuff when it goes live in two weeks. But I just want to say, you know, uh, I say this to finish every podcast. The only way you get to connect with, with Pastor Anthony is, is follow through on the things that you've heard. You know, um, the difference between the wisdom and the knowledge that we learn from these teaching is the action that we take after we've learned it. You know, we can, we can hear, uh, you know, I, I, I had uh, Daniel Quack back on my podcast last year. And he went from living in his car to becoming a millionaire. And I asked him, he said, you know what I did? I listened to a lot of people. I got wise and I gained a lot of knowledge, but I didn't let it go to waste. And I took a lot of action to get to where I am today. And pastor's son living in his car, his dad didn't enable him. His dad said, hey, look, here's what you're going to do. And you're going to go and do it. And he did it. And so I'm learned from people like that every day. And so I say this all the time on, on as I finish, you know, love God, love people and with passion, vision and purpose. Uh, God created all of us for a purpose. Okay. And uh, when we, let's all just begin to step in it. So thanks for listening to another session of the Heatfluence podcast. God bless you until next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Heatfluence podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. And as always, you can follow Michael on all social media platforms at Michael David Huey or www.michaeldavidhuey.com. Until next time, God bless and take care.